What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. It is Wednesday, August 16th. Um, very, very exciting. We're 10 days away from week zero of the college football season and 15 days away from week one. On today's podcast, we're going to be joined momentarily by the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. Going to be joining me to talk all things Auburn Tigers football and athletics. Very exciting interview that I know each one of you will enjoy. Um, follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Facebook and Instagram at The Mitch Davis Show. And be sure you check out the website at TheMitchDavisShow.com. And a very special thank you to the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, for joining The Mitch Davis Show today to talk all things Auburn athletics. I am joined now by the voice of the Auburn Tigers, a man that I really have looked up to and admired throughout my career in sports journalism, Andy Burcham. Welcome on The Mitch Davis Show. How are you doing? We're 15 days away from kickoff. We're doing well, Mitch. Uh, getting ready for uh, for practices and uh, spent some time with Auburn's offensive coaches today, assistant coaches, getting to know them a little bit. And um, Auburn will scrimmage one more time this Saturday, and then uh, you'll be we'll be two weeks away from the start of the, of the season when uh, UMass comes to town on September 2nd. So we're gearing up. That's for certain. It's a little hot down here in the south, but there's a freeze warning going on in Auburn right now with the big recruits and every all the excitement. Kind of talk about that excitement levels right now, now that Hugh Freeze is now the head coach at Auburn. Yeah, I, it is, it's an amazing thing to watch. And he was hired in late November of last season. And Mitch, since that time, in addition to putting together a staff, he has been recruiting relentlessly since that time and early on it was to really revamp the roster for the 2023 season and come this summer then they really turned their attention and maybe a little bit before that really turned their attention to the 2024 class and the 2025 class and and Auburn has some terrific commitments got to get them to December got to get them to signing day but there is a great deal of excitement here. As a matter of fact, uh, for the first time in school history, Auburn has sold out of season tickets going into this season. It's the most season tickets that Auburn has ever sold going into a season. And there is renewed optimism. There is renewed excitement about this football program. Remains to be seen how this team plays. It's a vastly new team. I mean, we'll see 20 to 30 new names uh, playing in that first game against UMass on September 2nd. But there's no question that the Auburn family is very, very excited about Hugh Freeze and his staff and what this team's going to do moving forward. I want to ask you, obviously we're going to talk football, but I want to ask you about that Auburn family, a, a family that, you know, on the outside looking in, you hear the Auburn family, but you don't know exactly what that means. What does Auburn family <laughs> mean? And, and for somebody on the outside looking in. Yeah, and 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 – for a while, that was me. I'm not an Auburn grad. I moved here in 1988. Now, I've worked in and around the athletic department calling games for Auburn since 1988. And it's hard to put your finger on exactly what that is. And I think it may be different for each person that you ask. For an Auburn student, an Auburn University student, it means something. For those that come here for school, then maybe leave 
for a career and have their family. And many of those folks, Mitch, are coming back to Auburn. Either their career is bringing them back, they want to raise their family here, they want to spend their retirement years where perhaps they met their spouse on this campus. You, you talk to Auburn University student-athletes, men, women, doesn't matter the sport. They talk about that first time that they, they spend time on this campus. And almost to a person, they'll tell you that it felt like home for them. And that's, that's just a couple of examples of what the Auburn family means to many, many different people. We're going to stay on the gridiron, and we're going to come back to that topic uh, at the end of the interview. I want to ask you about the offense. Obviously, Hugh Freeze brings a very exciting brand of football to the Plains. What have you seen out of this offense? Who are the names that maybe people are not familiar with that are you're seeing in practice in some of these scrimmages? Well, let's start up front, and it will be a very revamped offensive line. And that has been a struggle for Auburn for the last couple of years. Not so much running the football, but especially protecting the passer. And uh, you will see names like Gunnar Britton and Dylan Wade at tackles. And they're both newcomers. Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky. He was here a year ago, but was but had some some health problems and and really wasn't much of a factor last year. And then there's Dylan Wade, who transferred him from Tulsa. And I think those are your two, like at this very moment when you and I are talking, I think that's your two starting tackles. Um, the middle three could be anywhere from a Tate Johnson or an Avery Jones and a Cam Stutz or a Jer Jaden Mas or Muskrat or Connor Liu, uh, Jeremiah Wright. Those are the names that you'll see. So it'll be a little bit of a different uh, look for Auburn up front. Peyton Thorne has certainly garnered a great deal of attention at quarterback. Uh, he transferred to Auburn from Michigan State, where in, in a couple of years he threw for over 6,000 yards for the Spartans. He is vying for the top spot right now with Robbie Ashford, who a year ago was Auburn's starting quarterback down the stretch of the season. And then a, a redshirt freshman by the name of Holden Gurner, highly talented uh, freshman out of uh, Savannah, Georgia. So that's your three. Um, Jarquez Hunter is is Auburn's top returning tailback. Uh, he is has a great deal of talent. And then you, you look at the depth that Auburn has with Brian Batty, who comes in and, and transferred to Auburn from USF. Damari Alston is a sophomore out of Atlanta and really has turned a lot of heads in the preseason practices and the one scrimmage that Auburn has had. And then Jeremiah Cobb is, is the guy that was the heralded freshman coming in for Auburn. Uh, Auburn's tight end room is deep and veteran. But the one spot on this offense that has the biggest question mark, Mitch, is, is wide receiver for Auburn. And Auburn has added some size there. There are some new names there, including Caleb Burton III, who transferred to Auburn from Ohio State. You get some size from Nick Mardner, uh, who, who came to Auburn from Cincinnati at six foot six. Some much-needed size there. So that's a look at your offense right now, just how this offense is going to perform under head coach Hugh Freeze, and offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery. You know, it remains to be seen. I know what they want to do. I know what they have done in the past, or what he has done in the past, and Coach Freeze at Lambeth and Arkansas State at Ole Miss and Liberty. How quickly is he able to really use that offense and that high-paced offense here at Auburn? Uh, it remains to be seen at this point. 
looking over at the defense, obviously Marcus Harris uh, started every game in 2022. Talk about his development a little bit in the offseason. You know, how excited is the coaching staff to see him in 2023? Well, I think very excited. And he's one of the guys that comes back from that defensive front from a year ago. And Auburn lost some big names from that defensive front uh, a, a year ago. And guys that are going to be playing on Sundays now in the NFL. If Auburn lost and on one spot on that defense, it was the defensive front for the Tigers. But Marcus Harris and Zykevius Walker, Jason Jones, those guys are back. But that Jack linebacker, that rush in, uh, Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings, the fifth, the freshman that's starting to get some attention, Elijah McAllister, a transfer from Vanderbilt that gives Auburn some size at that spot. Those are names I think you're going to hear. Keldrick Falk is another newcomer that I think is going to get some some play at that other defensive line spot or that other defensive end spot. Linebacker was Owen Papo a year ago. He was the heart and soul of the linebacking core. And he was, you know, a sideline to sideline linebacker. And now he's going to be playing in the NFL. And so, you know, what happens at linebacker for Auburn? And then you look at the secondary, and that's the one group that is the most veteran group on this Auburn football team is the safeties and the nickel or the stars, they call it, and the cornerbacks. So that's those are names that we know. Now, will they perform as Auburn and Ron Roberts, the defensive coordinator, wants? We'll find out. But that's the veteran group, that secondary group for Auburn. I want to ask you a little bit about the culture change. Obviously, Coach Breeze brings in a totally new culture to Auburn football. Talk about that culture and how the guys have bought in in the locker room heading into this 2023. Now is game week preparation, essentially. Yeah, well, uh, classes start at Auburn on Wednesday. So preseason camp ends officially today. And then you're into classes and practice, and it's more of a routine at that point. Um, I think Hugh Freeze has been I, – I, I think it he, he has wanted to change – the culture at Auburn. And we've heard a lot of flip the script at Auburn. And he has brought guys in, former players, coaches, others, just to talk to this team. And I think he challenges this Auburn team with regard to its culture and changing. One thing that, that helps is the fact that Auburn is in its new football performance center, the Walton Ginger Waltos football performance center, which, you know, they, they moved into, just about the time that Hugh Freeze was named the Auburn head coach. And it's an all-in-one for these guys. I mean, other than class, through the day, they don't have to leave the football complex. They have opportunities for nourishment. They have great opportunity to for, for, uh, for, for you know, therapy and training, uh, for film study, uh, and just an opportunity to gather and to be together. And that's, of course, where they practice with their indoor facility and the couple outdoor facilities that they have, what used to be the old Auburn track uh, on the plains. So I think that helps for Auburn to be sure to have that new football performance center. And uh, until it opened, Auburn really lacked in that facility, but uh, it doesn't lack for a facility like that anymore. I tell you, I've only seen pictures, and I'm going to have to come down there with Rob Brown on sidelines.live and see Auburn for the first time. I've never been to the Plains. It's a bucket list opportunity for me, and I look forward to coming down to October 28th from Mississippi State travels to Auburn. But I want to just ask you one more football question. And sure. A few more uh, kind of fun questions I have for you. I want to ask you about Cadillac Williams, and obviously 
you know, keeping Cadillac on this coaching staff and look at what he did last year. How big was that for Auburn? How much does that mean to the Auburn family? Well, I think it was very important for Auburn, and I think it was very important for Hugh Freeze to keep Carnell Williams on this staff. That that those four games where Carnell was the first African American man to be Auburn's head football coach, albeit in an interim phase for four games, is one of the more remarkable months of covering Auburn football that I've been around because it had gotten to a point where Auburn was struggling on the football field and in the locker room. And when Carnell became the interim head coach for one month, it was just a, a complete reverse in team culture and the way the Auburn family reacted, Mitch. Uh, we, we, you, you perhaps heard about the Texas A&M game, which was late in the season. It was a big home game for Auburn. Neither team was going anywhere when it came to postseason. And yet, a three-win Auburn ball club at that point, you couldn't, have t you couldn't tell me that that game wasn't for first place in the SEC West. The atmosphere that evening at Jordan-Hare Stadium was remarkable. And that's due in great measure to what Carnell Williams and his staff did with that team in the last four weeks of the season. And the first hire that Hugh Freeze made when he was named the Auburn head coach was Carnell Williams. As a matter of fact, Carnell was there when Hugh Freeze had his, pre his, his press conference to announce him as the head coach. And Carnell Williams was on the stage with Hugh Freeze. That's how important it was. Now, Carnell Williams is Auburn's associate head coach. He remains the tailback coach in a really talented running back room uh, for this Auburn team. But it was a remarkable final four games of what was otherwise a very, very tough football season at Auburn. I want to ask you, obviously, you've been around Auburn football and Auburn athletics for a very long time. I want to ask you, your favorite memory so far to date uh, during your time at Auburn, and maybe kind of reflect a little bit on that. There are a couple, and, and I go back to the 89 Auburn-Alabama game at Jordan-Air Stadium, the first game that was ever played on the Plains. And just the history of that moment when Auburn and Alabama stepped foot at Jordan-Air Jordan Stadium and what became known now as Pat Dye Field. And Pat Dye is the, the architect for getting that game moved from Legion Field in Birmingham now to Auburn and also to Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. Just the history of that day and talking with those, those players and coaches and administrators that were part of that day and, and, and listening to their stories. It was a remarkable day of, of football for what, and, and just the history of it. Obviously, the 2000, uh, let, me, let, me, let me go then to, to 2004 which is one of all my favorite Auburn football teams. And I think I can safely say, Mitch, it will be the last SEC undefeated champion that doesn't get an opportunity to play in some kind of playoff system. Uh, I loved the cohesiveness of that team. It was a complete team, offensively, defensively, special teams. And it was a, it was a team filled with veterans and seniors, which you don't get to see a lot of in this day and age. Uh, 2010 was Auburn's national championship season and, and with Cam Newton running the show for Auburn. And that was a remarkable season. And it capped off, of course, 
in the desert with Auburn's last second victory against Oregon and being in that booth and being around that broadcast crew with the late Rod Bramblett and Stan White and Paul Ellen, Quentin Riggins, who's now the president pro tem of the Auburn University Board of Trustees. And we we sat around after that game and we are we had our engineer and producer that were tearing down the equipment. And the rest of the crew just sat around at a, a round, literally a round table just outside the back of the booth. And we looked at each other and it was, and everyone was the same way. Can you believe this finally happened? Because the 83 team, everyone believes should have won a national championship and was aced out of it by Miami. The 93 team was undefeated, but on probation. So never given an opportunity to win a national championship. The 04 team was undefeated, didn't get the chance to play. And finally, in 2010 and in early 2011, Auburn had won that SEC or that NCAA national championship. I was not at Auburn for either the prayer at Jordan-Hare or kick six. At that point, I was doing Auburn women's basketball and was calling a, a game at Temple when the, the, the prayer at Jordan-Hare happened. And was getting ready to call a women's basketball game in Las Vegas and watching the kick six. So I wasn't even there for those two. But that season was remarkable. My first game after taking over for the late Rod Bramblett was 2019. And it was Auburn, Oregon down in Arlington, Texas. And Auburn won that game on a last second touchdown. And that was a thrill to get to make that call. Later that season, Auburn capped the regular season by upsetting Alabama in just a wild affair at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And, and Mitch, I remember walking away from the stadium that night to my car, which was about a block and a half away from the stadium. And, you know, folks were celebrating that the it was a jubilant atmosphere. And, and it, it just hit me at that moment. You just got to call an iron bolt. You just got to call an Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare Stadium. You just got to call a thrilling Auburn win in an Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So those are just a few of a lot of memories uh, that, that come with, with Auburn football. And I have others in basketball, women's basketball, and baseball as well. Last question I have for you, and I think this is going to be kind of a fun question. You know, Auburn has been well-known for many great broadcasters. I mean, you look through over the history of the Southeastern Conference and Auburn has just had produced so many great broadcasters. I want to ask you, though, about your personal legacy. You know, obviously you're a long way off from retirement and a long way from stepping, you know, stepping out of the booth. I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope, because I, I love listening to your calls on Sirius <laughs> XM when I'm going from Starkville to Oxford on any given Saturday. But I want to ask you, though, about your legacy and about you know, what Auburn means to you personally and your family personally. So kind of just talk about that and, you know, feel free to go however long you want. Mitch, I've been at Auburn since uh, September of 1988, the first Auburn football, the first Auburn athletic event that I attended was Auburn, Tennessee in 1988. It was a week after I moved to town and uh, moved to town with, with my first wife who stayed long enough in Auburn to get her PhD in counseling psychology and then decided that she wanted to move back to Illinois. And I stayed at that point. It had become home for me. And when I remarried, I remarried an Auburn gal who had her PhD and her bachelor's degree from Auburn. She's from Op, Alabama. 
and is as big an Auburn fan as I am. So we immediately had that in common. And so she has been at many Auburn athletic events, just like I am. So, you know, after a big Auburn game, well, let me put it this way. During those Auburn games, I still get texts from her about, can you believe we just call that? What about this call? Wow, what a great play. Honey, I'm, I'm, I'm on the air. I can't really answer you, but, and she knows. But after the game, whether it's football or men's basketball or baseball, I'll go home and we talk about the game. At length, we'll talk about that game. And on a Saturday, if Auburn plays in the afternoon or a morning game, we'll spend that evening watching other games when we get home and talking about the Auburn game and talking recruiting. So that, that's what Auburn has meant to us, and it's been our home for, for 19 years here. Um, neither of us have children. Uh, this is her first marriage. It's my last. Uh, no children. Um, but I took over for Rod Bramblett after Rod and Paula were killed in 2019. And some know the story that, that before that, that previous fall, we had met for dinner one night and Rod and Paula asked Jan and I, if we'd be, we'd consider being the guardians of their children or something should happen to them. And we, of course, said yes, but never believed anything like that would happen. Well, in 2019, it did. And at that time, their daughter, Shelby, who's a second grade teacher at Carrie Woods Elementary here in Auburn, was 19. So she was of legal age in the state. And their son, Joshua, was 15. And we fulfilled our obligation. We fulfilled our promise to Rod and Paula. And so for three years, Joshua lived with us. And I've known Joshua since the day he was born, but it was a, a different dynamic when when he's in your household now and you're responsible for making sure he gets to high school on time and all those things. So it's something we never would have dreamed that would happen. Um, and Josh now is getting ready. Well, tomorrow he starts his sophomore year at Auburn University where his sister went to school, where his mom and dad went to school, and his grandmother all went to school and graduated from. So taking over for Rod, but also remember Rod took over for Jim Fife in 2003. And Rod knew, Rod knew what it was like to take over for an absolute legend, the man who called Bo Jackson and Charles Barkley and many others in the 80s. So he knew what it was like to replace someone, I'm not sure replace is the right word, to be that next in line. And it's something that, that I've dealt with for four years, replacing the man that called one of the one of the great sports memories, any sport, any year, any time with the kick six. But he was also a very close personal friend of mine. So there's not a day that I sit behind a microphone and don't think about Rod and think about Jim and the legacies that they had and do my very best to continue that legacy in the booth at Auburn. He is Andy Burcham. Thank you so much for coming on the Mitch Davis show. War Eagle to y'all. Good luck this season and really hope to have you on uh, closer to basketball season and then into baseball as well. Uh, consider it a date, Mitch. I appreciate it. Uh, be safe coming down for the Mississippi state game. Stick your head in the booth. If you would say hello. All right. Absolutely. War Eagle. 
Auburn Tigers, Andy Bertram, for coming on the Mitch Davis Show. A very big honor to talk to him about Auburn football and about his career at Auburn University. Thank you so much for listening to the Mitch Davis Show.